Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Divorce Etc. with the X-Experts. This is Jessica. I'm here today again, flying solo. Uh, TH, unfortunately, couldn't join us, but I'm really excited to bring a special guest to you today from Canada, from Vancouver. Cindy Stibbard is a certified divorce coach focusing on family reorganization and navigating the divorce process in a better way. So we are going to hear all about her perspective and get some great insight for everyone, all of us who are going through it. So thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about how your journey and this process kind of all started for you. I know you have a, a story that I think some people would say is like, you know, I think a lot of people are used to hearing about men having affairs in their marriages, but you, you having had one is kind of what led you into the, the path of being a divorce coach. So tell yeah, us a little bit about that. Yeah, it did in a, in a roundabout way. You know, I, I was married for 22 years and you know how marriages work as a, as a, as a wife, you always want to do the right thing by your family. Right. And so there were, there were a number of indiscretions by my husband for years that during the first year we, we were married. And then later on when my kids were young and it was those moments that I just didn't want to deal with them. You know, you're so caught up with your life. You're so caught up with the fear of what is, is this really happening to me? You know, what does this mean at the end of the day? And it was those moments where I thought, you know what, I'm going to be the better wife. I'm going to rise above this. I'm going to hold my family together and I'm just going to keep on plowing through and pretend this never happened. Right. So you knew for sure that it had happened. It wasn't just like suspicions that you had. No, I knew about two. There were okay. suspicions I had about the, uh, about others, but I chose to just keep focusing forward. I get as it. A lot of women do because yes. think, you know, I can hold this together. You know, it's, I'm it's, one of them. I was definitely in denial for a couple of years before it slapped me in the face. So, yeah. And I think because we didn't deal with that because I was trying to be stoic about it. It really started to weigh on me and erode my own self-esteem. And mm -hmm. so the second time I had discovered an actual affair, you know, that was sort of the turning point for me that started to build the resentment that I was building towards my ex spouse. I started to feel like, well, what about me? Like, who am I? Who have I become in this marriage? I have kids now that were quite small at the time, still five and, and four, but you're coming out of that like early mom fog. Like they're going to preschool now. They're kind of, you know, it's, it's easy, a little bit easier. And so all of a sudden I'm left to think, wow, like, what about me now? And who am I in this? Am I, and I still desirable because all of a sudden I was feeling like I'm not desirable and I'm not the one that my husband's making a, a priority here. Right. You know, he's prioritizing other things outside of this marriage. So I tried to lean in for that support and ask for that connection, but there was always a reason why, you know, we couldn't do date night or we couldn't do this or we couldn't do that. And I should just be grateful about the life that I live. And so you start to think, well, you know, is this it? Like, is this yes, all yes. I'm good for? I'm not even 40 yet. And am I like just all of a sudden this washed up undesirable wife and mother who stays home, you know, nobody wants me. 
And in that moment, I sort of had, I guess, you know, people call it midlife crisis. I call it like a reawakening, <laughs> you know, okay. for myself. Um, I started to go out some more, some, you know, with some moms, I started to really, you know, dive into my life. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to just stay here while you go do your thing. What about me? Right. And so at that time, I think I was really feeling, well, you know, undesirable, unwanted un, you know, unsexy as you do after, which I think so many people feel in their marriages. And by the way, people are feeling that even when they aren't sure about what's going on from their spouse on the other side, but it's not a great place to be. I mean, when we are married and we're with the person who's supposed to, you know, have our back and build us up and be that partner in life. And you're feeling totally undesirable and dejected. I mean, it's not a great headspace. It's not, no, it isn't. And so I think that that opened me up to, looking, seeking attention outside my marriage as well. Cause I thought, well, is this really as good as it gets? Am I really that undesirable? And by the way, can I just say for everyone who's listening, who can't see, like you're going to die. If you go onto our website and onto Cindy's expert page, she's freaking gorgeous. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. But I guess I had, I guess I had to prove that to myself. Right. And so, so I actually did. And so I ended up stepping out of my marriage. It was nothing really significant at the time. It was really an experience for me to prove to myself that I was still desirable and a way that I, I was kind of hoping it was going to wake up my marriage, you know, that I wanted him to see like, this is, this can go both ways, you know? And so when it all kind of came out in my marriage that I had had a little bit of an affair, I guess you could say, um, he, I was expecting a different, a different response. I was expecting someone who finally awoke to me and that, okay, we need to fix this. I got more of the, oh, this is funny. Like, you're not going to leave this marriage for this guy. Right. It was sort of like not taken seriously at all. Okay. And that was almost like turned the knife even deeper in my heart. Cause I was like, really? Like, you don't even care don't even care that I, that I did that. Right. And so at that point too, I was, you know, humiliated and embarrassed that I had even done it, done that. And so for the next literally five years, I started to spiral kind of out of control with this husband who didn't really seem to care what I did, <laughs> you know, although did kind did on the outside because it was still very much controlled. Right. And I'm thinking like, what am I doing? Like, how am I getting through this? And so I started to drink a lot, a lot more and hang out with girlfriends to cope and numb myself. And I wasn't the breadwinner. So I didn't have the financial means to say, listen, like I'm leaving. Right. And it, it was a really lonely experience. I didn't know how to get through it. And therapy at the time for us was, he told me I needed therapy to deal with my infidelity and that that was, you know, my problem. Maybe I needed to get a job, you know, maybe I needed to fulfill myself because I wasn't fulfilled, which is partially true. Like the reason he was stepping out of our marriage was also because I probably wasn't fulfilling his needs either. You know, I had to take responsibility for my part too. And so he wasn't filling my needs. I wasn't filling his, but we were both not trying to, trying to figure out how to fill each other's needs instead. And you, and you really, you, you just mentioned that you, as not the, as the, the person who was not the breadwinner, you didn't feel like you had the financial means to walk away. But I mean, had you, had you considered divorce during any of that or that really, it really wasn't even a thought for you? 
it, it was a thought, but it was such a fear because I didn't really know what that meant. I had right. two small kids. I thought like, God, like what, what does that even look like? I mean, yeah, it definitely crossed my mind when I realized that there is more out there for me, that there is like this, this, this spice and this energy. And I think for me, what the affair signaled in myself was it gave me a new sense of reassurance and love for who I was, that I knew that this was not it, that I knew that I had something more, that I knew that I could, you know, still be desired. And I had something more to give that, that men wanted. And so was this a guy that you thought you would end up with, or that you thought there was long-term potential with? No, no. Okay. This was just, this was, (laughs) you're like, no, this was an ego boost that I needed to feel that. Right. But had, you know, had it been different, had it been a situation like that, you know, I think that's a whole another situation too. I just needed this to be really for my own ego at the time. Um, but I think that because it didn't help us, and we, did anyone else outside you and your husband and this other man know? Did friends of yours know? Knowing. Yeah, people okay. knew. Yeah, and you know, I don't think it was looked down upon, of course, by other women. But because it didn't break up the marriage, it was kind of just one of those things that shoved under the rug. Like, oh, everyone has affairs, and men especially have affairs, right? And did the same people that knew about you? Did they also know about your husband? No. They didn't because I didn't share. So I, you know, going through the marriage and when he had his indiscretions, I was like tight lipped. I did not tell anyone. I did not share what was going on because I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk poorly about him. I thought, you know what, this was my job to keep our family safe. This was my job to kind of keep it under the rug. I was humiliated that it was even going on and it would terrify the crap out of me. Plus it made me feel like completely unworthy and undesirable that he was, you know, seeing someone else. I had crazy trust issues. (laughs) But then when you were talking to people about your situation, it could have been, you said you were embarrassed, but it could have been like, no, but it's because it's a reaction to that, but you still chose not to tell people about your husband. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably not good, but it was more like I wasn't, I didn't want people to think I was doing a tip tip for tat. It was really about me. right? Right. And it's like, I'm not, I did later, like now that I'm divorced, you know, I bring it up. People are like, really, he did, but that was probably you know, in hindsight, I should have just been honest and transparent because now it looks like, oh, you're just saying that's <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. I know I should have shared all along what was really going well, on. Well, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I mean, it's, exactly. you know, we're all learning so many lessons in retrospect from, you know, what we've taken from our relationships and our divorces. There isn't a right way or a wrong way to handle it, but it, I would imagine that it would be somewhat eye-opening for people if, if there were people out there that had been judgmental about it. It's like, okay, well now, you know, the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think it happens on so many levels for couples and way more often than we think. And we sometimes use that as the, you know, the reason to end the marriage. Mm-hmm. When I, I really feel since being on both sides, that was the symptom of some really underlying deeper problems that we were not addressing. Right. Either we, we didn't know how, we didn't know how to get support. He was really resistant. Um, so for the next five years, every single Christmas and birthday, I would always ask for marriage counseling. I was like, I really, we, we really need this. Like I, I even wanted to go to Seattle and do the John Gottman program together. And, and he yeah. was like, 
why would we go to Seattle and save our marriage? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh, like, gosh. what's it going to take to get through? <laughs> you know, what's That's it going to crazy? Take? And it wasn't until I actually left my marriage um, did he wake up to the fact that he, I was serious, you know, and that's when he wanted to work on it. But that's at that point, I was just, you're I was out. Done. And I would, I had sort of gotten to the point where I felt like this big after all of that. And why now, you know, what, now that you actually believe me and think that I'm serious that, you know, it, now that it means something to you, right it's too far gone for me. And sometimes, you know, you sit there and you think, oh, I should have just given it one more try. And I'm like, I gave it so many tries, you know? And, and I, I just knew that I couldn't change him. I had to, to change the situation because right. he wasn't willing to come to the table and even be accountable for the past. And when we brought it up, even as we were divorcing, we brought up the infidelities all, on both sides, you know, his somehow were always a lot less than mine. You know, mine was the big, the big one. Mine was, but you did this to me. And it was someone also that we had known people knew in the community. So it was more impactful. In that way. Yeah. Okay. So the, my affair partner was someone that we knew in the community where his were not. So okay. to him, that was, that was like worse <laughs> because everyone knew. Right. So it was like, well, that's way worse because people know this. Okay. No, his didn't seem to make as big of a difference. Well, he's obviously was justifying or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. How long were you married in total? 22 years. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been divorced now? Four years coming up four years. Okay. So after this, so, so you kept saying you want a marriage counseling. He finally heard you say that you were leaving. And then what did that experience look like for you? I mean, you, you had been afraid earlier about not being the breadwinner. Like, how do you feel like you finally mustered up the self-confidence, so to speak, to say, I deserve better than this? I think I couldn't keep living like that. Like I couldn't keep living this lie of feeling uh, my resentment had turned into disgust where I would avoid going to bed at night. I would drown myself in like the last bit of wine just so I didn't have to go to bed. And I knew like, this is, this is the spiral to the bottom right here. And if I stay in this, I'm not going to be able to sustain this very long. And I'm feeling like every part of me was, was being affected. My mood, my body, my mind, you know, my skin wasn't good. Like everything was just like coming out in that unhappiness. And I had to come up, rise above like the, the fact that financially, yes, my lifestyle was very, very comfortable. We didn't, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to worry about that. But at the same time, I wanted to, at the same time, I wanted something for myself that I couldn't have in that, in that situation. And I, get it. I was never a, you know, materialistic person. I didn't care about the fancy car. He wanted me to drive a Lexus. I chose a Toyota Forerunner. I'm like, I don't care. I just like, it's not my thing. Right. So I had to get over that perception of being a bag lady under the bridge one day. And that I, <laughs> you know, I just knew like I had, to, no matter what, I knew I was going to be okay on some level. Um, and that couldn't be the piece that kept me there because I looked at my daughter and I thought like, this was my daughter. What would I want her to do in this situation? Right. 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 And how old were your kids at the time that you decided to get divorced? Uh, seven and nine. Yeah. So they were little. 
Yeah, they were, they were little, but I also, I think they were at a good place where they were able to recover quite yeah. well and be really adaptable to the situation. Whereas a lot of people wait until they're, you know, teenagers or adult, young adults. And I think I've seen the even worse. Happen yeah. But I also always said my kids were so little, my kids were two and four and it's really all they've known. We're taking a quick break here to talk about our partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and I love it. You know I'm into health and wellness and love to use all of my essential oils and stuff, and one scoop of AG1 is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. It's for gut health, immunity, energy, focus, aging, all the things. I mix it in water or a smoothie before or after the gym, and it works for everyone. If you're keto, gluten-free, vegan, paleo, and dairy-free. And every time you buy, they donate to organizations that help get nutritious food to kids in need, like No Kid Hungry. This is a simple way to take care of your health with just one scoop and a cup of water a day. That's it. Plus, to make it easy, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging and take control of your health starting now. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. So I feel like on the one hand, you know, people used to be like, oh, it must be so hard for them. And I'm like, I don't know. They don't know anything else. Like this is literally their whole life has been the divorce and going back and forth. And they're seeing two happy parents. And I'm like, but the truth is I'll never know how fucked up they are until they're in their thirties and like in therapy (laughs) themselves. So I'm just going to go with it for now. They seem pretty well adjusted. I'm going to ride that, that wave. Um, What made you decide to pursue being a divorce coach? Had you guys used one in your divorce process? And it's funny because when Teach and I started X Experts and started doing research for it before our website and podcast even launched a few months ago, we had never heard of a divorce coach. We had gotten divorced 14 years ago. There was no such thing as divorce coaches. So how did that all come about for you? Well, we ended up going down in my divorce, going down that traditional adversarial path of, of lawyering up and then spending a fortune. And because of my financial fear and not having access to any money, I thought like, I'm not going to be able to even afford this divorce. I'm not going to be able to get out because I wasn't able to leave the house. I was living in the basement and I thought I had to figure out a way that I could navigate this in a better way. So I almost had to coach myself to getting the team of people that I needed to figure out a way that I could afford this divorce and use my lawyer super strategically. So I wasn't leaking out legal fee, legal fees everywhere. Right. So, and going through the process too, you know, I realized there were so many women that would reach out to me, message me and say, Hey, I heard you're going through a divorce. I'm thinking about it too. Or isn't it funny how people come out of the woodwork? Like when people So many people don't talk at all realistically about kind of what's going on behind closed doors. And you look at everybody and it's like all of these perfect little pictures and like on Instagram, it's all these perfect little lives. And then all of a sudden someone's getting divorced and everybody's like, oh my God, my marriage sucks too. This is what's been going on. It's like, 
you become the vessel that everyone's coming to now. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And so I kept getting messages. And I remember one day I was bowling with my kids. I'd taken my kids bowling and I'd gotten this message from this woman that I knew. And I thought, God, there's gotta be some kind of like training I can do to help people through this, because all I can do is kind of help them from my experience, but that's not what, what's going to work for everybody. Like maybe there's something I can do. And lo and behold, there was you know, a training program for become a divorce coach. And I thought this could be a great start for me. Right. And so that's kind of what spawned me to do it. I have also done my certified divorce specialist um, certification at the National Association of Divorce Professionals. And I just realized like I was, tr- I'm trying to create the kind of support that I needed going through divorce. And there's someone that you can reach out to. That's not your therapist that you have to make a scheduled appointment for. That's not a lawyer who's not going to charge you billable hours for every single text message. You know, that kind of, oh shit moment support. And I've got a question and I'm terrified. I don't know what to do just to help navigate through this, whether they're just thinking about it, whether they're in it, whether they're like in the trenches already or on the other side coming out. How have you built up your business? A lot of networking. So I think I really started by reaching out to as many different professionals as I could who would be working with potential divorcing people like therapists and um, mediators and lawyers and real estate agents, mortgage brokers. I mean, the divorce world is has tentacles everywhere. Right. Yes. And I think the more people that you can bring into your network, the better, you know, you can build up those relationships. And I also, I never will refer my clients to anyone professionally, unless I've met them before. And I really feel like we're kind of on the same page. So that's been you know, the years I just, I keep making connections, building connections, getting the word out there. And that's how it starts. And so tell us about like the kind of, um, I mean, I know it's divorce coaching, but you said it's about, you know, helping families navigate in a better way. Tell us a little bit about your process. So the way that I operate is almost in levels of, of support need. So, and in terms of time, I do like three, four and a six month level of coaching support where my packages are all inclusive. So the amount of hours that you get and the access to me is all included. So there's no extra fees and it's not a transactional situation. And within that, it's just about of how much handholding do you need? Right. Do you need me just to help you get jump started and give you kind of your, your checklist of things where you can go off and do, or do you, want me to personally connect you with professionals and feel like we can be more of a team in this or at the top end do you want me also to be in on every meeting making sure that you've answered the right ask the right questions you really understand how this all works and to be kind of that liaison with your divorce team so that's sort of how I work in three different levels and I also offer what's called my divorce academy which is a weekly support group that I run as a monthly membership. And in that support group, people get to come and meet people from all over the world who are going through divorce and share their their challenges and their experiences. And every month I bring in a professional to educate and inform the group on certain things, whether it's legal um, or parenting or, or finances, just so everyone can feel like they're learning and they're growing at the same time. And a lot of people in that group are haven't even had the discussion that they're leaving the marriage, but they're just wanting to learn more. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty, it is. So what are you, what are you hearing as some of the biggest um, issues or challenges or questions that you're getting from the groups and the clients that you're working with? The biggest fear is financial. Sure. I think that is the, the number Are you one only fear. working with women? No, I work with both. And I also work with couples. Okay. All right. But still the biggest fear is financial. So coming from yeah. both sides, I guess. Yeah. The, the, for the men, um, it's not as much financial. It's more of the kids, you know, being able to work with being able to parent the kids, you know, how do I, how do I navigate through with a really difficult ex when I want to be with my kids? You know, I, I think the, the men who, who come to me really just want to do it in a better way. You know, they're trying their best to find a different path. Um, and then the women, you know, it's, it's that they're contemplating it because they're scared. Like the two things that keep you in that marriage are your lifestyle and your kids. So, you know, what is that that's, that's holding you back. And we all, I think as women, I mean, it's known that women contemplate divorce for a minimum of two years before even making the decision. And we always want to do what's right for everyone else, right? Instead of putting ourselves first. That's so interesting. Two years before yeah. we actually approach our spouse to tell them that we'd like to get divorced. Yeah. That's a, that really is a very fascinating statistic. Um, and so when do you, well, are there people that ask about your personal experience and, and, and the circumstances of your divorce and how do you feel like that's helped you in helping other couples coaching them through divorce? Yeah. I think my personal experience can come in, in terms of what I wish I could should have done or the, or the things that I did that really helped like help hiring a certified divorce financial analyst right away was a game changer. I didn't even know this type of person existed. Right. Um, but once you can really make that financial piece clear in your divorce, then everything else is much easier to negotiate. You know, I, it's crazy to me when people come to the table and they're kind of ballparking things, you know, like, oh, we're sort of ballpark how much we have or ballparking this. He's given me an offer of this, like offer based on what? Right. Like, imagine this is a business. <laughs> you wouldn't sell your company to some, someone who just ballparking you, you know, right. you'd want to actually, or your house, you'd want to actually list it properly. The same thing in your marriage. Like this is a this is a contract. This is a business agreement. This, this is a deal. And so that financial piece, I think is the biggest part for a lot of people. Well, I think that it's like, you know, we always say you don't know what you don't know when you're coming yeah. into divorce, particularly everybody who's coming into it for the first time, you literally don't know. And you can hear your sister's experience or your best friend's experience, but it may not have anything to do with yours. And even for TH and I, like, we, you know, we got married at the exact same time. Our husbands were best friends. We were best friends. We found out within a week of each other, 13 years into our marriages, that both of our husbands had been having affairs and were covering for each other. And yet our divorces were still completely different. So mm -hmm. everyone who's coming into it, like they're ballparking stuff because they have no idea. They've never been through it before. They don't know what else to do. That's right. Yeah. It's, and I think that there's so many, there's such a different approach. You know, if I was to change the way that we approach divorce, it would start with getting coaching on the financial piece, getting that all clear, that all clear. And then the opportunity to mediate potentially without legal representation just yet, right. because what happens, not that lawyers are, are bad. They are, are part of the process and we need them, but sometimes depending on the type of lawyer you get, they then steer the ship. 
That's right. And this is now, this is not their life, you know, like you have to live this result. So make sure that you have a, a big say in how this goes. Right. Well, teach and I always say, you know, again, like it's been, it's been a while since we had both gotten divorced and a lot of the, uh, people that you would have on your team, so to speak, those types of positions and those types of people didn't really exist, or we don't really know about them back then. And it was like, back then you find out, or you decide that you're getting divorced. Like your first knee jerk reaction is I have to get a lawyer today. And we have found now in our own experiences with everything we're doing with ex experts, like I, that would not be my first, my first move to get a lawyer. And so we have come to realize like, it's so valuable to have all of these other people and particularly people in positions of coaching where they can lay out the options for you and mm-hmm. give you some information that you had no idea of otherwise to decide what is the right process for us. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, divorce today definitely is different than it used to be, but it still for sure needs to change. Are you feeling like when a lot of your clients come in that there's still a sense of shame and stigma around the fact that they're getting divorced or are people becoming more comfortable with it? I think hugely that's still Or what's it like in Canada in general? Like I know what it's like in America, but in Canada, is there a lot of shame and stigma around divorce? Yeah, I think there really is. I mean, I think that's really the blanket in Canada and the States, you know, especially more so I believe for, uh, for the woman who's left a marriage, you know, because that's, that's seen as much different than a man leaving a marriage. Like if a man leaves a marriage, I mean, I'm going to stereotype here for a second, but a man leaves a marriage, they have an affair. Clearly the wife was crazy or something, right? Like it wasn't working, but if a woman does it, what kind of mother is she? And she didn't try hard enough. Yeah. She didn't try hard enough. She's giving up this lifestyle. Like she's had, you know, she's off her rocker. She's crazy. And so you get a lot of that. um, You get a lot of that shame. I really felt that in my own social situation quite a bit because I live in a, you know, very affluent community. Everyone is sort of keeping up with the Joneses, but keeping their own shit on the inside. And so I think me leaving my marriage just really brought everyone else's stuff to the surface for them. And no one wants to deal with that. It's way easier to live vicariously through someone else's divorce for sure to actually look at the shit that's going on in your own life. And as a woman, different than as a single man, I, I think, I mean, I can't say I'm not a man. We're looked at differently in, in the social circle because a woman is threatening to other women in, you know, oh no. So does this mean like, you know, she's going to go after my husband or so crazy divorce contagious, you know, now husbands don't want her around because, oh, I don't want my life, my wife to get any ideas. Right. You know, so it's this, this social kind of judgment that happens to you. And it's not easy at all because you are sort of shunned for your choices, but thinking I'm shunned for choosing my happiness and choosing a better path for myself. And that's pretty sad. It is pretty sad. And, and I'm glad that, um, that you're able to, you know, work with clients and help them through that part of the process emotionally. It's definitely something that TH and I are huge advocates for trying to help reduce the stigma around divorce, because there are way too many of us out there who have felt like it's our fault or, you know, we failed and just all of the negativity and the negative feelings that come with divorce. And what we really want to try to put out there is exactly what you just said. Like your own personal happiness outweighs everything. And the truth is the kids are going to be fine. 
you know, people figure stuff out financially. You pursued something that you didn't even know existed. You know, we're always saying to people, like, think about what you, what you like, what your passion is to be able to, to be able to do it because the, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's so much better on the other side. It's just a shit show getting through it. It's and true. it really does suck, like yeah. regardless. So, I mean, it you makes know. you stronger, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it really, really does. It really does. It really does. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Cindy. We really, really appreciate it. And for everybody listening, like I said, if you go onto our uh, website at xexperts.com, you can go to the Meet the Experts section and you will be able to click through to Cindy's expert page. And on that will be all of her contact information and all of the information about her and why we chose her and love her. Um, she is based in Canada. So keep that in mind. Um, but do you work with clients in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, all over the place. I've got them in the U.K. and the U.S. because it's all, it's all virtual. So I do have quite a network. All right, perfect. So you can go in there and check out all of Cindy's information and we will see you next time. Thank you. you. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at X-Experts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.